Zion Radio with your co-host Robert Briney and Aaron Laxton. We go around the world and across the United States. Join in the conversation by calling in to 929-477-3572. That's 929-477-3572. This week, we have your HIV scoop with Josh Robbins and your positive message from Rise Up to HIV and Kevin Maloney. Your weekly dose of hope. Pause I Am Radio. I hope you're ready for season two because it starts now. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Pause I Am Radio. This is Robert Briney here in Philly and talking to Sharon Airways with Aaron Laxton. Aaron, how are you this week? Greetings and salutations, Earthly. Yes, welcome back Good. to the world of HIV. <laughs> oh, I know. We uh, survived another week of Trump, so this is no small feat. Yes, but there has been a lot of what the hell is he doing? <laughs> oh, we have plenty to talk about. <laughs> so, um, for those of you tuning in, uh, we're here every Sunday. Today, we're going to be speaking with uh, Bob Leahy. He's going to be uh, touching on uh, HIV and aging uh, and talk about his work with the U Equals U campaign. So, I'm excited to have him on. He'll be joining us in a few minutes. Um, so, h- how's your week? You told me a little bit before we came on air that you're dealing with midterms. Yeah. How's that I going have, for you? Uh, oh, well, you know. It's a good thing because it means that I'm almost done with the semester um, and I'm not taking summer classes. It'll be the first time since I started grad school that I don't. And um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty excited. I took the terms and I had uh, about 500 pages to read. So I've been stuck in a book for the last couple of days and uh, just tons of reading. So actually, when you we go to this conference here coming up in Chicago, you'll actually, you know, be able to get some time off from some of that. I no? will. <laughs> you know, I uh, yeah, it's, I'm really looking forward to 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 being up there. Um, and then my next big thing, uh, uh, I leave from Chicago and go to D.C., uh, where I'm doing some grant. Uh, grant reviews. I do federal grant reviews um, to planning meetings for that. And then I have International Mr. Leather is coming up Memorial Day weekend in Chicago. It's the largest leather event um, in the world. And uh, I will this year I am judging that. So uh, if you're at International Mr. Leather, be sure to stop by and say hello. Hey, hey, hey. So uh, this Healthy uh, Voices Conference coming up that we're attending and, you know, I was speaking to some of our fellow activists and people who are part of the show here, like Kevin Maloney and Josh, um, that uh, they're all actually attending. So it's going to be great to get together and, you know, meet people and and connect that way. But you've attended this before, correct, or no? I have, yeah. I was was able to attend last year. So explain a little bit about it because actually before, who Bob did? Bob did and Josh Milton. Um, 
uh, yeah, so there are quite a few um, HIV activists. So what what is the conference like? Because, you know, this is going to be my first time going, so I'm a little bit, you know, curious so to see why, you know. A, yeah, they're changing the format a little bit this year, just from feedback that they had last year. Um, just a reminder, everybody, that the Healthy Voices Conference is um, sponsored in part by Janssen Pharmaceuticals and Johnson & Johnson, um, and so they make all the travel uh, possible in the whole conference. But the first day uh, this year is going to be more of like getting to know your fellow activists and advocates. Um, I know that mm -hmm. I am sitting on a panel the first day um, about stigma, so talking about the different uh, stigmas we all face in our different health conditions, and I'll be on a panel that's, that's going to be someone from rheumatoid arthritis, someone from, you know, um, uh, Crohn's, I believe, someone from pain, um, and so it's just each one of us talking about different health issues. Um, there's going to be a lot of those sessions during the first day, and then going in the evening, there'll be like a little reception, um, and then the second day, so then Saturday will be more of breakout sessions. And so I know typically um, Josh Robbins, he'll do one on social media, on video, and last year he did it on video. And so you're able to pick and choose. And usually that wraps up uh, in the evening with um, everybody going out to dinner um, and they break everybody up in groups so that you really kind of cross um, network. Connect. Uh, and then everything ends on Sunday. Um, again, I can't, I can't say how much this is like one of my favorite conferences. It, it's just really cool to work with other people because um, you know sometimes we just live in our HIV bubble, and yeah. it it's so nice to to see and meet with people who you know that they're they're dealing with other health conditions, and it really kind of sometimes puts ours, or I mean, it put my kind of the challenges I face, not that I don't face problems, but it kind of puts it in perspective that we all have different struggles that we're dealing with. Um, and so the, the, the goal of the conference is to really provide skills and a time for us to catch our collective breath and just to do a little bit of self-care and, you know, re-energizing. Right. It's awesome how, how you were saying, like, how you can cross network there with other people because something, you know, an idea or a campaign that may be working for, you know, this type of, uh, you know, organization may actually work for you. So, you know, I remember going to the one that was similar to that in, in Philly here. It was the E-Patients Conference. And, you know, they had different ideas and just bouncing ideas off each other. And, you know, things that worked for somebody who, like you said, may have diabetes, they had something, you know, that could work for you. So just kind of like sharing ideas and, and networking. It's, it's going to be exciting. I'm excited to get out there and hopefully – you know, it'll allow us to kind of get uh, a niche in there with Pause I Am somewhere and, and make some sort of a connection with something. So I'm excited about just networking again. I haven't networked in years, so it's nice to have that experience. So I'm excited you're going to be it's there. Gonna and, be, it's, you know, it's cool. Yeah, it's going to be good to see you. And Joshua Middleton's going to be there, too. I, I was speaking to him. He's actually going to be on the show next week. But um, I was connecting with him about some stuff. And he was telling me that he's also going to be there this year. So it'll be nice to meet him in person. Yeah, Josh is a, a very cool person, very low-key. Uh, yeah, he's just he's a phenomenal person. Great actor. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited. Yes, 
speaking about Josh's, how about uh, we head over to Josh Robbins here with the HIV Scoop. This is your HIV Scoop with Josh Robbins, exclusive for Paws I Am Radio. Buzzworthy HIV news in under 90 seconds. Here's Josh Robbins in this week's HIV Scoop. Well, hey, everyone, how you doing? How you doing? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I miss y'all. This week in Washington, D.C., advocates and HIV activists from across the country are meeting with members of Congress to discuss and educate the lawmakers on the needs, resources, policies, and programs that our community needs. As a matter of fact, over 600-plus advocates are heading to the nation's capital under a program called AIDS Watch. I'll be there as well. AIDS Watch is organized by Treatment Access Expansion Project, the U.S. People Living with HIV Caucus, and AIDS United. Again, I'll be there, but please, Josh, do not get arrested. Do not get arrested. Okay. Tell someone who has helped you in your HIV journey, thank you, in Napo Pharmaceuticals, My HIV Thank You campaign. It's a cool moment to say thanks to someone in your journey that should know that they may have helped you, whether it's a nurse or a doctor or a pharmacist, a friend, family member, an activist, me. I mean, you can certainly thank me. I ain't going to be mad at that. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Anyway, visit HIVthankyou.com for the submission. Maria, HIV, and myself are advising the campaign, but seriously, we must be thankful for the people in our lives that helped us, right? Come on. Come on. I'm Josh Robbins. This was your HIV scoop. And there you have it. Thanks, Josh, for this week's HIV scoop. Um... He always has that humor. I'm excited to actually meet him too at the conference uh, in person. He's, uh, you know, somebody who's really out there uh, making noise. Oh, he's a pitbull. It's funny when he sat there and he was in the scoop and he was talking about, oh, don't get arrested, Josh, don't get arrested. I was like, I wonder if Aaron says that too when he goes. <laughs> uh, sometimes, although at the last protest that we went to, I wasn't even trying to get arrested and I got snatched by the police. So I don't. Uh, it's just a matter of time. But yeah. So Are you going to H Watch? I am not. So uh, unfortunately, I have a big grant that's due this week. Um, but everybody is traveling there today, and it all kicks off tomorrow. Um, and so over the next, you know, uh, two days, two or three days, um, activists will take part of a training tomorrow, and then on Tuesday they will be on Capitol Hill um, lobbying our members of Congress. So good luck to all of them. Them. That sounds like fun. I, I'm excited to get back into the arena of activism and meeting people. And I just feel like I'm doing it here, you know, through the show and all that, you know. But just me- getting out and meeting and networking is just it's so important. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to uh, make that connection. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's nothing like sharing stories with other people who've been through it. And, you know, you can do it online, but having that one-on-one conversation, those like little, those little moments, you know, they're the things that, you know, kind of build you up and make you, you know, get through certain things. And it's important. It's important, those little conversations, which is why we have the show, you know, here on the radio. Oh, you're going to love it. (laughs) So I see today's guest on the line, so let's go ahead and 
bring him on. Today we'll be speaking with Bob Leahy. He is a longtime editor of PositiveLight.com, Canada's online HIV magazine, which was started by Brian Lynch. Uh, I remember we had Brian on uh, when we first launched the show. We should probably have him back on to do an update. It's been quite a few years. Um, so uh, he's also, uh, Bob Leahy is also involved in the U Equals U campaign in Canada. You know, we had um, Bruce Richmond on a few weeks ago who spoke about that. So we'll be touching on that, but we're going to be focusing on HIV and aging. So please help us welcome Bob to the show. Bob, how are you? I'm good, thanks. Greetings from Canada. Good to speak to you two guys. Hello. It's good to have you on. It's We're excited to be here with you. I've never, I've never met you, Robert, but I, I, I met Aaron last uh, summer in um, or spring in Chicago at the Healthy Voices um, show. I'm sorry to hear that. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Can you hear me okay? Yes. Yes. So, Bob, um, you know, I, I've seen your name all over the place, you know, from back in the day when we first started the show. I remember seeing it on PositiveLight.com and and things like that. Before we get into your work there and then the U equals U and all that, I, I just want to talk a little bit about when you were diagnosed, <laughs> for people who are not familiar with your story, um, and, and what it was like for you back at that time, because it's completely different than what it is for someone today. Sure, that's a good question. Um, okay, I was diagnosed in 1993 in in Toronto, where I lived then. Or I live in rural Canada. Um, at the time, I was I had a kind of um, pretty high-powered job. I worked for one of the major banks here, and so when I was diagnosed, I had to deal uh, with a bunch of issues, including how I would talk to my employer talk about um, financial issues, I made a will, that kind of thing. Um, so it was pretty tumultuous. Uh, and remember, in those days, there were no um, treatments. Treatments came along in 1996. So it was traumatic for everybody. I'm, I'm sure um, I'm not unique in that. Um, I, I actually navigated it fairly well. I jumped into volunteer work very quickly. And I think um, in retrospect, I, just, I, I, I guess I made the decision that, that to help myself, I'd, I'd sort of help others, and it kind of worked out well. And that started a very long, very long career in volunteerism and activism uh, that is um, continues to this day, to the point I'm sort of now retirement age, and, and I'm nearing the end of that career, perhaps. I don't know. It's sometimes hard to extricate yourself from um, volunteer work but but um those early days it started uh, you know started I, I i helped out with the buddy program and i worked at a front desk of act which is toronto's largest AIDS organization um and it really sort of grounded me um i think not in not just in my own disease and coping with it uh but in finding a role and, and and working my way through um, the process, um, uh, finding a role with the community. That's Does awesome. that make sense? I wonder. I don't know whether you guys can identify. You know, I'm, I'm not sure when when you guys were uh, were um, were were diagnosed. Were you pre nineteen? I guess the the dividing line we all think about is 1996 when. Um, 
protease inhibitors came out. Were you, were you guys before or after that? Um, so this is Aaron. this is Robert. I, I was, was okay. <laughs> Go, Aaron. <laughs> Oh, I was going to say I was diagnosed in 2011, so I am by far the newest of all three of them. Yeah. Yeah, and I was diagnosed in 2001. Okay. Because the reason I asked, there are some interesting discussions about the differences, if any, between people who were around in those plague years, if you like, and what we had to deal with, and those who came... um, on board later and what are the commonalities and what are the differences um, between those two groups we can talk about that later if you like it's an interesting topic but but i think there's no doubt that you know being diagnosed in the plague years when people were dying around you um, has a profound impact uh, that affects your journey ever since you know some people are dealing with multiple losses uh to this day and, and still fa- and, and found that living in that um those plague years very tra- traumatic and is still dealing with it i think um it's one of the issues the long-term survivors uh i think deal with sometimes successfully sometimes uh less so so bob this is aaron i last week we were able to have or i guess week before last uh we had mark king on and one of the yeah. things that Mark said was that he really gets enjoyment out of being able to tell other people's stories. That, you know, when he first started out as an activist, it was more of his story and then just a natural progression. He got to a point where it's more about telling other people's stories. I'm going to ask you the same question that I asked him. From 2016, is there a favorite story that you covered through Positive Light or uh, that you shared that was really a standout for you? Um, that you just really it hit you um, really hard, and, you know, not really hard, but it, it just really resonated with you. Um, well, we've done, we've done a lot. I've done a lot of stories and a lot of interviews over the years, and talked to a lot of people with, um, you know, interesting. We, we also, we, it's it's amazing. We also because where we've been. I mean, most of our stories are valid, but some of them are extremely interesting. The one that I think uh, made the most um, impact lately um, was uh, somebody struggling with addiction. This is not uncommon uh, in Canada. Uh, and also trying to work in an AIDS organization uh, while struggling with that addiction. And, the, you know, this is something we don't talk about very much openly but the share this kind of openness about sharing uh one's experience of dealing with an addiction while someone continues to try and hold a job down in in the hiv community and how that pans out um that, that's an inspiring and, and you know an interesting conversation but inspiring and very very useful conversation to have so so people i mean it's amazing how people share um, their deepest secrets. I had a, a similar one with somebody with mental health issues also working in the in our community and how they, you know, struggle to keep a job uh, down while working in, in, in the HIV movement and the kind of accommodations that um, their employers may or may not um, provide them with. Uh, that's an interesting 
dialogue. These are these some of these are new dialogues, dialogues that we haven't had before. But so I feel privileged in working uh, with Positive Life to um, expose these stories and let people have a voice. It's it's one of the um, real rewards of what I do. I think it's interesting that you say that, Bob. I currently uh, I'm in graduate school, finishing my MSW, yeah. and uh, right now one of the books that I'm reading. Uh, you may have heard about it in the realm of hungry ghosts, mm-hmm. uh, and it is uh, this is a, the American edition, but it, it was of the number one Canadian bestseller. And this this doctor documented all of his psychiatrists and a, a family health clinician uh, in uh, Vancouver, and he documented all of his experiences on basically Skid Row. Um, right. And it, so that was very interesting. It's also interesting how. Canadians view addiction sometimes in a much less harsh way than I I feel like Americans, um, and that's that's not I'm not that's not a, gen, a generalization. I said just the pol- the policy that we've seen is a little bit more harm reduction and holistic sometimes than I think our own system that we have here in the U.S. Right. I, I think that's a good point, Aaron. I, I think, I mean, we've always, I, I think we've had um, needle exchange facilities for a long time. We've we've also um, had for some time safer injection sites where people who have addictions can come into a sort of safe environment and inject safely and also be connected to services. I, I'm not sure whether that's, is, is that, is that, are you seeing that those kind of, um, responses in the U.S. or is that so? Is, is that such a challenge? Oh no! To we, your, yeah, so I to, actually okay. I didn't know. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, um, I actually just, uh, I have one of the uh, syringe access programs here in Missouri. Um, we just expanded, so there's three total, and we're working on getting a safe injection site. Although that's a really radical concept for people. It is um, to to buy into. So kind of dovetailing off of, you know, that point of that individual who is, you know, dealing with mental health, dealing with um, substance, um, you know, that recovery kind of looks very similar for both those individuals, mental health and substance. Um, Do you see that trend a lot of individuals who, because I can only speak to, you know, when I first met you and you first did the story on me, you were one of the first first stories that I ever had done on me. And you know, Aaron, I look, almost forgot. <laughs> that was a long time ago, wasn't it? That was a long time ago. And I think back on like a younger me, um, and you know, through the years, I've, you know, I've made it no, I've never, I've never um, really hidden the fact that, you know, I've dealt with substance abuse. Um, you know, it's, it's an ebb and flow. But that's a very right. interesting point. Do you see a trend of, of that of individuals who really, um, I mean, I'll even go out on a limb that that maybe um, self-care is not like the best. We don't really teach self-care in the community, I don't think, as much as do, as we should. Do you agree with that? Yes, that's what I'm hearing, uh, partic- well, well, to some extent, anyway. Uh, but but these, the emergence of, of staff of aid service organizations coming out and admitting to addiction issues, admitting to mental health issues, and trying to get their employer to work with them so they can retain the job uh, and still and still keep uh, 
on an even keel. That's something fairly new. Uh, I, I think that, well, but we are seeing some employers who are prepared to recognize, you know, rather than fire the person, you know, because if if, clearly working with an addiction is a challenge, uh, rather than fire the person, uh, they, we are seeing um, emerging um, trends to work with employees who have these uh, issues because, you know, we're talking about the value of lived experience. I mean, addiction is a very valuable uh, experience to share and use use in your work. So I think the the alternative of putting people down and firing them and that kind of thing is 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 disappearing as we actually value um, that lived experience of living with a challenge that that their clients also work with. So it's an interesting phenomenon um, that we've seen two examples of uh, people talking to me lately. So. Um, Maybe the way of the future. I don't know. Bob, this is Robert. Ever... Um, oh, go ahead, Aaron. Go ahead, go ahead. Aaron, if you have a follow-up, go ahead. No, that's fine. No, no, go ahead. Oh, no. Um, Bob, this is Robert. One of the things that um, I know that you really wanted to focus on was, you know, long-term survival and and aging and things of, of that nature. Um, and, and you kind of touched a little bit about it when we were discussing it earlier when you were diagnosed, but being, like you said, in, diagnosed in, the, in the, the plague years, in the years when people were actually dying and, 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 and not surviving and thriving like they are today. Because, I mean, look at it. Today it's a different, completely world. It's a com- different, completely different world out there than what it used to be. I mean, there's, you know, people on PrEP now, there's medicine that is allowing you to live your life, live a healthy life, you know, and there's things that since we're living longer, we're, we're having to look at now as difficulties. What are some of those things that you see as a long-term survivor that you're now looking at going, oh, I never thought I would have to deal with this, but now that I'm, you know, able to live a healthier yeah. life, a longer life, I'm dealing with this kind of thing. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> This is a good question because this is really where aging comes in. Um, I don't think, you know, I, I would never have thought in 1993 when I was diagnosed I would be dealing with aging issues or any of us really. I mean, most of most of the focus was on kind of wrapping up your life. Um, the first thing I did was make a will. So here we are, you know, 20, uh, 30 years into the epidemic, and we have an aging population. We have people who... Um, um, have been living with HIV for a long time. Uh, but we also have an increase in the number of people who are diagnosed rather late in life. I mean, it, it's um, <clears throat> it's an interesting phenomenon. I'm not sure how new it is, but certainly there there is a, a quite a substantial number of people, over 50, say, who are um, uh, being diagnosed with HIV. My, my publisher, or my previous publisher, himself was diagnosed, I think... <laughs> I think he was late 60s um, uh, or getting around for 70. Um, and there are reasons for that. You know, typically that population is not, um, sometimes not considered sexually active. We don't target them. So there's that whole new cadre of, of, of people who are themselves um, older joining a cadre of people who have been living with HIV for a long time. So I mean that that that's really what was changed and changing. Is this? Uh, I mean I think we know now that if we're not quite there yet, 
um, over 50% of people living with HIV are actually aged over 50. And, you know, being over 50, yet alone being over 60 or even being over 70, um, introduces a lot of challenges and, and, and uh, different things into your life that have to be considered. So, I mean, the whole, the whole business of HIV and aging um, is, is very hot right now, I think. I, I've just come back from a conference where it was talked about. There's a seniors conference in uh, Fort Lauderdale next week, I think, that Marcus King is talking about. Um, so we're talking a lot about mm -hmm. it which is good. Um, multiple issues, we can talk about them if you want. Uh, but I think the topic um, and that, that of long-term survivors also, uh, there's some advocacy there, of course. So you've got people like Sean McKenna and Kick-Ass is an organization dealing with long-term survivors. Kick-Ass is, is stands for, I think, for uh, AIDS survivor syndrome, I think, kick AIDS survivor syndrome. Uh, so, th so there's activity, but I think there's also a great deal of frustration that we're not doing enough. People are, are becoming old, or, you know, into their 70s, and finding um, that there is not uh, as much attention to their, to their uh, issues. There may not be the right kind of health care that is appropriate to people um, living with HIV, a whole bunch of issues that have become emerging um, as advocacy issues that are starting to get attention now. Uh, it's an interesting time, actually. I think it's something we have to cope with. Uh, we're starting to cope with it, but so much more to be done uh, as, as more and more of us age with HIV. It's a good thing, of course it is, uh, but it presents a real challenge uh, to how to deal with so many people um, approaching old age, we just ha we're just not there yet in terms of you know um, any kind of uh, appropriate response to that. And that, and that's basically my, my that's my latest I guess my advice. I've devoted uh, quite a bit of attention lately to trying to draw attention to the fact that um, there's a, there, there are problems ahead. Terence Higgins Trust in the UK recently issued a report. And called it a time bomb that, that we're not that we're not dealing with that's that we really have to come to grips with. Well, I think it's so important, and that's why I want to thank you so much for just still being out there and sharing and 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 doing the work um, because so many people aren't who are you know, in the older generation who have been around, and it's important for the long-term survivors to share their stories so we know where we come from. You know what I mean? We need to know where yeah. this began so it doesn't go I, back to that. Yeah, I, I think that's true. I mean, I mean, the younger generation has to know our history, for one, so share, so sharing of, of stories is incredibly important. I mean, it, it focuses the work we do now. Um, our history is really important to preserve. Um, the the other, other thing I'd like to say, though, is, is that I think it's critical. A lot of a lot of the good work in our community, I can think of some examples anyway, um, it is in fact being done by older adults who, who you know, who have a long experience in advocacy uh, and activism in Canada. I could name off names, but um, you know, these people will eventually um, retire, as as I will, I hope someday soon. Um, but but it's up to us, I think, to to make sure the next generation has that history, has those skills, 
and there's a role, I think, for people like me and my colleagues of a certain age uh, to mentor younger people and to sort of instill or talk about the values that we have and the, the challenges we've had and, and sort of pass that on to the next generation. Um, I, 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 I hope it's happening. I try to do it. But, but clearly, as we lose a generation of activists who retire or, or unfortunately pass away, uh, we have to make sure that the the, the torch is, is passed on. I think that's that's a big issue too. Um, but certainly, I I don't write off. You know, as I look around my colleagues and some of the older ones, I mean, they're doing terrific work. I mean, some of these people are leaders in their community. Aging is not all bad issues. <laughs> some of it is, but aging is is also something uh, important to our um, community. I think something to cherish. To, to value um, that experience, that wisdom, if you like, uh, and, and, and sometimes honor it, I think. I know Sean McKenna has, has very vocal, Sean McKenna is an activist out of um, New York whose who's, mm-hmm. um, particular cause is long-term survivors, and he's been very vocal in, in trying to make sure that long-term survivors are listened to and appreciated and that services are provided for them. And he's had some success on that. Bob, this is Aaron. So it seems like to me, like the the two biggest things to come out of the last, let's say two years, would be uh, Kick-Ass, which is coming out of San Francisco for long-term survivors, and then the U equals U um, campaign. Can you speak a little bit about uh, the U equals U campaign and kind of why, um, you know, you're, you're putting a lot of energy towards that and that um, we've, we were able to have, uh, you know, others that have spoken about that. But let's get your angle, especially from, you know, you being in uh, at Canada um, bit, and what yeah. that looks like. Yeah, we do. We do have a slightly different um, story to tell here. Uh, but it's a good one. Um, yeah, you equals you kind of taken over my life for the last uh, year or so. It's it's incredible to think that a year ago nobody knew what you equals you means, and I and I think wherever I go now, um, most people seem to know what it means. But for those who don't, it's it's you it, equals you stands for undetectable. That's an undetectable viral load equals untransmittable, which builds on the knowledge that we have um, we have obtained over the years from from good studies and empirical evidence that if you have a sustained viral undetectable viral load, you're not going to transmit the virus. Now this is this is big, of course. I mean, you know, it, 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 it it's revolutionary, I'd argue. So anyway, so my role, um, I got involved in in late summer, I think, of last year, uh, where we, I, I noticed Bruce M- Richman of, of the Prevention Access Campaign, who has since become a good friend and colleague. Um, he's visiting, he, by the way, I should, I should, uh, a, a promo here. He's visiting Canada uh, next month on a, on a sort of, uh, it's, it's not actually called a victory tour, but it, it's it's kind of like that because U equals U has done very well here. Um we we actually, I think, more through luck than judgment, kind of got ahead of the game, and, and we managed to uh, get some large organisations here on side 
early on in the game, we realized that to promote the message, you had to get our large information providers um, on site. And we did. We were less fortunate to do just that. Uh, we have an organization here called CADI, which is Canadian AIDS Treatment Information Exchange, which is extremely influential. And we were lucky uh, through contacts and with my publisher, John McCullough, uh, to be able to convince them that UE plus U was, was a reality. So very early on, we had a large organization, the most probably the most influential in Canada, um, promoting that. So that, that had a sort of trickle-down effect. And so very quickly, other organizations came on site. So um, I think it, Bruce was very happy with that, uh, even though in, in the U.S., um, it's been a little slower, but I, I think now you'll get you've seen great great gains, and you're catching up to us. And every day, um, it, it, it's really great to see we have new um, organizations who are showing support. So now we have a situation where, uh, and, and I sort of coordinate the Canadian response and some of the international response too. Uh, so now I think we have 136 community organizations signing on as community partners and supporting you. And and that's in, in um, I think that covers 22 different countries and we're getting all kinds of UU messages in different languages, which is very, very cool to see. So it's been a huge success story. Um, how's, how's it going with you guys? I'm, I'm curious to, to see how uh, your perception of, of, of um, the uptake the message has it been a hard sell would you say in the in the u.s so you tell me what you think hey bob this is robert uh, um aaron are you still there yes I, oh aaron yeah i'm sorry i thought i, I thought i i had aaron there for a second i thought he was starting something um this is robert um I think it's been received pretty well when I speak to other activists in the United States. They seem to be 100% supportive, kind of like they feel like it's a long overdue message, you know what I mean? Kind of something that should have been, you know, going like something that we all should have been talking about. But now that we have, you know, the science behind it and the information and, you know, we signed on to support it 100% here behind you and Bruce. And I think it's just, I think it's taken off great. I mean... Seeing every week other people posting that they've signed on and making their own image, you know, I think it's I think it's an incredible thing. I think right. it's doing really well and, here. Yeah, and you, you've had some high-profile voices as saying exactly the right thing, you know, confirming the message. I mean, you know, that have been very influential. You know, you've had your NIH, NIH head, and and you know, in in the UK, you've had AIDS map body. Uh, internationally, we've had International AIDS Society. You can't get much, much more influential than that. Um, so, mm -hmm. yeah, it, uh, in terms of organizational support, it seems very strong. A few gaps, uh, which are, are being worked on probably as we speak. I know uh, Bruce and Co are down there at um, your big, your big get together in Washington. So I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure he's very active in. Um, advocating and trying to sign up those names who have been uh, challenging so far, but the uptake uh, has been very good. I, I think what, what amazes me and what's really good about this is, is that it's an um, initiative driven by people living with HIV. I, I, you know, I've been around 20, 
20 plus years doing activism and I've never seen um, an initiative driven by people living with HIV with this uh, amazing international impact. I think it's a huge, I mean, Bruce has done an amazing job. He's, he's an incredible individual, but it's been a collective effort too. I don't think we've ever seen anything like it. It's, it's really good. I mean, you know, it's, I, I get very emotional sometimes. And I know, and I know some of us, you know, Kevin Maloney works on this too. Uh, Brady, Bruce, myself, uh, we get very emotional when we see how, how, um, how what it's done. It's, it's a, re it's a real phenomenon. Uh, I, I think it's one of the best examples of uh, empowerment of people living with HIV um, and their ability to make a difference against all odds that we've ever seen. I really think it's, it's, it's spectacular. What do you think? I agree. I think it's definitely bringing us together as a community. You know, all the voices, everybody's getting behind it. I think, I think that it's, it's, it's like I said, I think it's long overdue. It's definitely something that needed to be done. So I'm glad that everybody's signing on. You know, one of the other um, social media campaigns that I know that you took um, time to be involved in was the Positive Message campaign by Kevin Maloney and Rise Up to HIV. I actually have your message lined up. So uh, we're going to take a, a minute and a half break and play that message for everybody, and then we'll be right back with you, Bob, okay? Okay. Hi. My name is Bob, and I'm from Walkworth, Ontario, a little uh, rural community of uh, 700 people. So I'm a, a rural POS guy. And I've been POS for 23 years now. And um, so I'm a long-term survivor, and I'm kind of proud of that. And I'm proud of all long-term survivors out there. So hi, long-term survivors. want to want to lift my hat to you. Uh, but I also want to lift my hat to, to people who've joined us along the way uh, and offer encouragement and support and love because um, I think you have real opportunities here as a person living with HIV to live the kind of life that you wanted, always wanted to do, um, to make a difference, uh, to throw off the shame, uh, to realize what you want to do, uh, and, and if you want, to help and encourage others, just as uh, Kevin is asking us to film videos to to support others, um, you have that kind of opportunity too. So Kevin's onto a good idea. Um, I think what I like about this is that it emphasizes that we are part of a community. We are here for each other, we're here to support each other and to learn from each other. And I kind of like that. Um, it's an opportunity uh, that comes with HIV and I, I've grabbed it and, and, and I hope you will too. So enjoy. Um, being part of a community that can offer you so much and which has the opportunity for you to offer so much. Um, be well. Enjoy your life. Enjoy the HIV community. It's quite wonderful. Hi, my name is Mara Mapala and I've lived with HIV for 24 years now. Um, I was a young girl when I was diagnosed and back in those days it was a death sentence and I was told I couldn't have children, I couldn't, I was, wasn't going to live long and basically told to just give up and um, stop living. And well, since then I've 
definitely kept living. I've had two children. I'm very happy. I'm an HIV global advocate and activist. And I found that living positive is probably one of the best things that ever happened to me. It's given me experiences I never would have imagined. And I've been able to travel the world and I've been able to support amazing other people living with HIV. So thank you. Thank you for letting me say this and thank you for letting me share that HIV is not a death sentence anymore and that we can be happy. Hmm. All right, everyone, those were positive messages. We invite you to uh, go on the Rise Up to HIV and to um, record your minute uh, message and send it to Kevin and uh, he will get those uploaded. Bob, it strikes me that uh, if you've been paying attention here in the United States, we are in a bit of a mess. Um, and one of the biggest problems we kind of dodged a, a bullet this week was our uh, affordable health care, uh, often called Obamacare, was uh, it, it's on the shopping block. Have you, as you've talked to people, and I know that you talk to people around the world, but in particular, as you've talked to uh, Americans, or people who depend on that, are you getting a sense that people for the first time living with HIV uh, are really concerned about what their health care looks like, or, or, or maybe not? Maybe people never really saw a difference in their health care. What's, from your perspective, from the work that you do, what, what's that look like? Yeah, are you talking about the, can the Canadian perspective, Aaron, or, or, or more global? The American. Okay. In the United uh, States. Gee, that's hard to me. And certainly, I mean, I follow your politics. I mean, I'm, I've become addicted to CNN, like, in like nobody's business. <laughs> so I know what's going on. Yeah, we, we follow your stuff religiously, I should tell you, you know. And thanks to Trump, I, you know, we're, we've all become, a lot of us have become news junkies. So we followed the, the passage of Obamacare and, and, and how it's, um, you know, his efforts to reform it. So I'm, I'm very familiar with that. Um, uh, and it's interesting, too, how sometimes comparisons are brought up with the Canadian system and how, you know, sometimes it's viewed as uh, by by Democrats as the as the Holy Grail. Um, and uh, on the other side, people are suggesting that people are flocking from Canada to get U.S. health care. Uh, you know, for because there are waiting lists and and such. I think I think first of all I, I should probably debunk that because you know frankly they're not. You know that's that's exaggerated. True, true. Um, uh, truly, some rich people may feel that to get an MRI they want to buck the system and maybe cross the border to get a faster MRI. But it's it's a relatively small phenomenon. I do, I don't know anybody in my circle who's ever done that. So I'd like to debunk that that Republican theory that the Canadian system is no good. Um, having said that, yeah, we, we here have a, we see, I guess we, we here are a little bit complacent because we have a, a health system that is actually pretty good. It covers everybody. Um, I've had an intense relationship, I would say, you know, since I was diagnosed, I've been, you know, interacting with the with the healthcare system here every every three months for 23 years. So I've been I've been in a lot of, um, waiting rooms and and had a lot of diagnostics and um, um, it's been pretty good. Um, I, I honestly don't have any complaints uh, and and it's and it's uh, uh, free. You know we have a system where we don't have to worry about 
mostly about co-pays or, or coming up with, with insurance money because it's paid for by the government. So we're very lucky about that. Um, it's hard for me, Aaron, to, to really comment on... So, so, we, so we have a certain complacency, I guess, in, in that we are mostly taken care of. Maybe uh, some people have complaints, but I, I would say from my perspective, it's a good system. Uh, financially, it works, and the standard of care is pretty good. So I, I can't really comment on um, what, what people feel, uh, you know, in, in the U.S. and their their experience. Um, all, all I can all I can say is is that I've witnessed the panic, you know, of, of, uh, caused by the suggestion that, that some of that might be withdrawn. That that some people will become not entitled. I mean, that's a huge issue. And certainly the sympathy here. I mean, we take interest in, we, we we take interest in that situation. But we are we are we are really um uh divorced a little bit from being impacted by any of that. That's probably not right. the answer you're looking for, but but we <laughs> when you are kind of taken care of, um you know it's it's I, I your it's not really an advocacy issue for us right now. I would say. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. It's uh, it's it, it. I always like to get different perspectives um, around the world. What that looks like, and I know that a lot of people are paying attention to U.S. politics uh, and kind of how that impacts a global uh, global market. I, from the U.S. perspective, um, you know, we have Ryan White Affordable Care. That's the flagship program that provides health care. Uh, and most people living with HIV may not be aware that that was kind of rolled into the Affordable Care Act, or also called Obamacare. And, right. And so I think now people are kind of, you know, realizing that if that were, you know, to go away, that people with HIV would be one of the premier groups that would would be impacted um, by that. So it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out. Of course. I also heard something this week that I really liked and, and maybe you agree with that a lot of times when we talk politics and we talk these high level politics, the people that are really the most impacted, those who are dealing with socioeconomic problems, those that are, that are poor, that are just simply trying to scrape by, they don't get the luxury of dealing with these politics. They're just simply trying to exist. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I I would mention too, Aaron, because I, I I'm not quite sure where 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 the situation is in the U.S. But if if the major gap in our healthcare that that we're trying to address is the access or the availability of prep, which as you as you know is hellishly expensive uh, if you have to foot your own bill, about a thousand a month, and there is only one um, province in. Canada, and that's Quebec, whose government has seen fit to cover uh, that cost. So it's it's available uh, free or at low cost, just as any other medication would be. Uh, there's a huge drive and a, a huge barriers to to get the kind of accessibility we need here, um, and, and that's underway. But right now, uh, we have this situation where we have a solution like PrEP, which is very 
very promising and would be very uh, very good solution for many negative people. Uh, but the access issues aren't, just aren't there. We don't have the affordability, the drugs uh, prices need to come down. There's all kinds of regulation uh, concerned with that. Um, so that that is the kind of the glaring um, gap in in our healthcare right now that that um, people are at risk certainly are having to grapple with. Some are getting rounded, I think, think by getting access to generics and uh, other ways of getting the drug free. But it, it's the one thing we, our healthcare system is not dealing with well. I'm, I'm curious to, to hear how how generally. Um, uh, Availability of prep is in the in the U.S. right now. Does do either of you want to comment if uh, what, if the barriers are coming down? Well, I think it's the same same barriers that you kind of speak about. I, what I've been seeing a lot of is uh, there's still a low uptake when it comes to uh, women who are using prep, uh, and then uh, prep used by um, heterosexuals. Um, so I think it's it's not been marketed. We know that Gilead didn't market it for a variety of reasons, but then the messaging's not out there, and so it's really just had to spread on word of mouth. Um, and so I mean, we want to get people like here in St. Louis, where I'm located, um, and you know we're having good success in getting people, but the, the messaging still is it's still a bit confused. Um, um, who who qualifies for it? Who needs it? Who's at high risk? And what it actually does, uh, I think it's there's still a long way to go regarding the messaging on it. Right. Well, Bob, if our listeners want to get a hold of you, um, how can they track the good work that you're doing, and uh, how can they get a hold of you? Uh, why not visit positivelight.com and look around and see the kind of work we we are doing there. I'm now the publisher. And you can contact me at publisher at positivelights.com. I'll spell that P-O-S-I-T-I-V-E-L-I-T-E dot com. Well, fantastic. Or, or, or I'm, I'm all over Facebook and social media, like 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 you too. So so uh, that's another way. Uh, social media has been our godsend. You know, it's, it's, I talked about community earlier, but it's really, uh, you know, I have to credit Facebook and Twitter for sort of bringing us together. And, and I think it's been a really useful way for us to connect and spread our messages. I mean, you, you because you has, has flourished through social media. So that's another good way to connect too. And I, I, I welcome um, new friends and new, new uh, messages and new conversations. Well, fantastic. I encourage everybody to check out the U equals U campaign. Check out positivelight.com. Um, and, uh, Bob, it has been great spending this time with you. We will be uh, talking real soon to you. Yeah, and good luck, good luck in your advocacy in the U.S. We'll be looking, looking at you. Thanks, Bob. All right, there you have it. Remember, uh, next week we'll be speaking with Josh Middleton, so don't forget to tune in. Um, and look for the rest of the month being posted this week. Thank you, guys. Have a good week. Uh, Aaron, I'll talk to you next week, man. See ya. Join us each and every Sunday at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time when we bring you your weekly dose of hope. You can join in the conversation after the show is off air. Going on Twitter at Pause I Am Radio, Aaron Laxton, 
While you're on there, reach out to I'm Still Josh as he brings your weekly HIV scoop. And check out Kevin Maloney with Rise Up to HIV. I encourage you, if you've not already done so, please contribute to the Positive Message Campaign. From each and every one of you who contribute and allow us to bring this show to you, thank you from the bottom of our hearts. And if you know someone who would be interested in coming on air, or you think there's something that we need to cover, please let us know. We're here to bring content that you need and you want. From each and every one of us over at Paz IM Radio, from myself and Robert Brining, have a safe and happy week. And until we talk again, stay positive.